All right, and good morning, Ridgepoint Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. I got some incredible news for us. Fall arrived this week in Central Florida. And if you woke up at 6 a.m. yesterday, you felt it for about five minutes, and then it was gone. Uh, listen, we're really glad you're here as we're in week three of a series that we've called Making Change. Uh, it's a series we're going to get to in a little bit. Uh, just about how Jesus had uh, this desire to talk to us a lot about finances. In fact, we said this last couple weeks. He talked more about finances than he did about topics like prayer and faith because he realized that all of us want to experience freedom. And that most of us, the thing that holds us back from freedom the most, the thing that brings the most anxiety and worry to our life, the thing that brings the most destruction to our marriage, is that we've never learned to experience freedom when it comes to our finances. And today we're actually tackling the toughest one that we're going to talk about. We'll get to that a little bit later. But, but it, genuinely, as we get into this, our goal is that we would experience freedom when it comes to, the area, to, this, to this area, because I believe most of us want to experience that freedom. But before we get into that particular topic, I want to share a little bit about what's coming up uh, in, in subsequent weeks here at Ridgepoint Church. We'll wrap up this series next week talking about how this idea of tomorrow matters um, next week. But then the following week after that, we kick off the series. Every year as we get kind of near the, the holidays, start to get into a little bit of cooler weather, we start to talk about what it really means to, to make a difference, to make an impact and, and we're starting a series in a couple of weeks where it's called How to Neighbor, and, but it's not going to be a typical, like, be a good person and help people out type of conversation, but it's, instead it's talking about uh, when Jesus teaches on this topic of being a neighbor, he asks a question, he says, here's how we should respond, but then he asks a question, but actually, who is our neighbor? And the answer to that question is very illuminating, and that, and that oftentimes we think of the person who lives next door to us, who often looks and thinks a lot like us, but that actually the answer that he gives is that everyone's our neighbor, and that makes the conversation a little bit tougher. It means that there are people who don't always agree, uh, maybe politically or even religiously, with us, and it doesn't exempt us from being neighborly towards them. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start a four-week discussion at that point, talking about some topics that we think are essential to us as a church, that if we could figure this portion of it out, this portion of the discussion out, we could change not just Ridgepoint Church, but we could change our community and even the world if we get a couple of these topics right. Uh, so in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about uh, topics like embracing orphans and, and, and reaching out to the world. And, and we're going to invite some friends to be part of that discussion. Some people that are part of Ridgepoint Church, when we talk about reaching out to the world, we have a person who used to be part of Ridgepoint Church that moved out to the Dominican Republic. Luke Osberg from Fight Ministries is going to be here. He's going to give a full update on kind of what they're doing. We're going to talk the third week of that series, uh, probably the most prevalent issue that we're dealing with today is just the racial division that's taking place in our country. And so I've invited some friends. We've invited some friends to come up on stage and share the stage with us to have a, 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 a frank discussion about just the, the racial division that's there and what can we as a church do about that. We believe this is a gospel issue. And so because of that, we're going to invite our, our, our church to, to take this on. A lot of times as churches, we've shied away from the tougher questions. And we say, let's just kind of focus on what we do well. And, and the world's falling apart. And we say, well, that's really hard. That's messy. Let's avoid that altogether. When actually Jesus often ran right into those issues. And he dealt with some of the same issues we're dealing with today. He dealt with them in his time in a very loving way. And so week three is going to be a topic of racial division. We actually have a local coach along with some others that are joining us for a panel that, that particular week. 
And then the final week, we talk about how do we empower the poor within our community. Uh, so that series begins in, in just two weeks, How to Neighbor. And I think it's one of those conversations where if we can get this right, uh, if we start to grapple with some of these issues, it will change not just what we do as a church, which is important, but it can literally start to transform the culture around us and, and as, as that starts to build up, literally change the world. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But again, we're glad you're here as we're in week three of this series called Making Change. And the whole idea of making change is that we believe that God wants us to experience freedom in a lot of areas of our life. But because of four choices we've made in the past when it th- comes to things like our health, when it comes to things like our spiritual growth, when even when it comes to our finances, we, we kind of feel restricted right now. We feel like there's this pressure, and the pressure often leads to anxiety. And so we said this, the beginning of this series, kind of the big idea throughout this whole series is that to experience freedom in the future requires making change right now. We realize that we're kind of in a box right now. We're not easily going to get out of if we feel that financial pressure. But that if we want to experience change in the future, or experience freedom in the future, it requires us making change right now. And not just for us, but for future generations to say we have to learn some of these principles that we're talking about in the series. And we said throughout the series there's four topics that we're dealing with. They're up on the screen. Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. And we said throughout the series we want to make sure we drill down on those because a year from now, you're not going to remember exactly what it was that we talked about throughout this whole series. But if we could remember these four topics, less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. And when it comes to our finances, if we just get those four things right over and over and over again, less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. If we just get those four things right, it's going to give us a measure of freedom. So we've asked you each week to say those with me. So if you would right now, say these with me. Say, less is more. Giving is good. Tomorrow matters. Sorry, I let us poorly on that one. Let's try that again. Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. And tomorrow matters. If we get those four things right, see, at the very beginning, we talked about this idea of less is more. We said that we have so much clutter in our life. We have so much stuff that when we walk in a room that's full of clutter, we have a hard time. We get distracted. We get off focus. And so we put just a real challenge out there. And here's the thing. When I put the challenge out there, I said, I challenge everyone here to get rid of 100 things between now and the end of the year. I got more amens from the men in the room that morning than anything else I've ever done. I don't know if that means we're actually spiritual or not, but, but they like that idea. And I've seen some people, we've gotten some cards where people have said, yes, I've started to do that. Has anybody started to get rid of items already this year? Awesome. How does that make you feel? Free, man. I, I feel, man, I, I'm focused. All the clutter is gone. And the same thing is true when it comes to our life and our finances. When I declutter, I get rid of the th- those things that are important, and it helps create margin for the things that are. When I declutter my life from maybe an unhealthy relationship, when I declutter my life from just junk that's taken up room in my closet, it helps me focus on the things. I create margin for the things that should really matter, and I start to see life with a newfound clarity. Man, all that stuff that's been in my life, that baggage that's been in my life, I've not been able to see clearly because of all of this junk, and now that that stuff's gone, I'm seeing things with a newfound clarity. 
So we said the first week that making change is important and we get rid of some of those things. Less is more. Sometimes it means we're not chasing some of the same things we've always chased. That we've bought in this lie, this lie that more is more and I continually chase and there's never satisfaction in that. And Jesus comes and often says less is more. Last week Chris did a great job talking about stress is bad. That we want to remove stress when it comes to our finances. And the way that we do that is we build upon the first week where less is more. And we want to create more margin in our budget. We don't need to have as many things so that there's more margin in our budget. We want to get rid of stress. But what we realize is these two things are inversely proportionate to each other. As our margin goes up, our stress goes down. If I have more margin in my budget, if I have more room then the stress in my life isn't nearly as potent. But as the margin goes down, as I'm starting to get by with less and less, and I, I look at the bills and look at how much money is going to be left at the end of the week or the end of the month, and, and there's not that much left, well, now my, my stress starts to go up. And sometimes by the end of the month, there's more month left than there is paycheck. And then my stress is through the roof. And so we're trying to create margin when it comes to our budget. We're trying to create margin when it comes to our finances so that that stress goes down. And I can start to focus on the things that, that really matter about life. And the final two weeks, we're going to talk about those topics. This week and next week, we're going to say, here's why we're trying to create margin in the budget. is because we want to know that, that giving is good. And that tomorrow matters. We want to make sure we drill down on those topics. But if we haven't done the first two weeks right, it's really hard to get there by the second and third weeks. Now, here's the thing. Whenever anybody gets up to, to talk in, in church about finances, everyone right away assumes you can talk about giving. We said the series isn't a giving series, though. One of the weeks this week, you're lucky enough to be here for that, uh, is, is that, is that talk. But here's the thing. A lot of people shy away from that and say, man, I don't, I don't want to talk about the topic but I'm convinced now more than ever that this isn't a topic that we should run from, but it's a topic that we should actually lean into. See, Jesus often talked about finances, and he talked about here's why you should give, but I believe also there's this, this growing desire among people of this generation to say, I want to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. And so if I start to understand the meaning behind it, if I start to understand the purpose, then, then I'd rather do that. I'd rather pursue those things than pursue any of these other things in my life because I've realized when I pursue those other things, there's not a lot of satisfaction in those. In fact, more and more you see it on social media where people say, hey, instead of giving me anything from birthday because I have way too much stuff and I don't know what I'm going to do with it anyway, give towards this cause. And crowdfunding was only started in 2012. But it's become a huge source of making the world a better place. In fact, crowdfunding was first begun as a chance for people to invest in businesses that were just kind of upstarts. They were, you go through Kickstarter and say, hey, if you contribute towards this business that's an upstart, you're going to get this from it. And you'll be on the ground floor of this business. Later on through that, they started to uh, say we could use that towards being part of nonprofits and making a difference and now GoFundMe is the largest one just through GoFundMe. People contributing on their own via social media through GoFundMe is bringing in now over $140 million a month. Why? Because people are starting to realize something that Jesus taught a long time ago. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it says this, In all things I have shown you, 
that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. See, Jesus said there's going to be more joy in your giving than there is in, in your receiving. And, and we read that and we, we live in this consumer culture where all we want is more stuff for ourselves. And we believe this idea that more is more. And then we pursue those things and we realize there's not a lot of emotion attached to that. In fact, think about this. I know people that they spent their whole life saving up towards one big purchase. And they say, man, when, when I get there, when I get whatever that big thing is, and they saved up, it might have been a house, it might have been a car or a truck or a boat. But they say, man, if, if I just get to that point in my life, like I'm going to know that I have arrived, and there's going to be emotion attached to it. And then when they get there, they get whatever that thing is that they, they, the whole life they thought was going to be there, and the first emotion they have is the exact opposite of what they thought they'd feel. Instead of feeling overwhelmed with emotion and happy, they actually feel a little bit of buyer's remorse. I bought it, and as soon as I did, I'm like, I can't believe I just spent all that money on that thing. And I, like, it, it, Everyone has experienced this at some point. It could be a small purchase or it could be a large purchase, but when you get done, you're like, I don't know if that was the right thing, and I, I don't feel nearly as free as I thought I was going to feel. It doesn't feel as good as I thought it would. But the emotion attached when we learn to use our money to make someone's life better is so much more powerful. Probably for me, the, the, one of the favorite experiences I've ever had here at Ridgepoint Church. Some of you were here two Christmases ago. We took up an offering, something we've never done before. We came in Christmas Eve, Eve, December 23rd, and we gathered together as a church. We never had shared this story before. We said, hey, come here. We're going to do something different. But we've been told by a local business that there was a, a mother who needed some help. And, and so we came in. She worked at Publix, and she was going to deliver a cake that night, having no idea what was going on. And everyone came in that, that evening having no idea, having never heard her story before. But we said, hey, there's a lady we want to help out this Christmas. It's going to take up an offering. We collected an offering without any forewarning, without anybody ever knowing her story. We took up that offering, and that night she came in. We had her come down front. She wasn't prepared for this at all. And I asked her, hey, would you come up on stage for just a second? She had no idea. She was shocked. She was scared. And I said, we actually didn't need the cake. That was just all a ruse to get you here. And we gave her money that night of well over $2,000, I think it was. And I remember, here's the thing that stuck with me is I remember seeing everybody in the crowd that evening. People who had never met this lady before, people who didn't know her background other than the short story that we had shared. Like as soon as we gave her that money, there were, like, there were tears, little tears that were taking place and, and people stood up and gave her a standing ovation and we felt this love and appreciation and there was emotion attached in giving that we never would have experienced in receiving. And so Jesus knew that, and Jesus said way before we ever learn these things ourselves, Jesus says this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We learn that as individuals. We also learn that as a church. One of our goals as a church is to say we know that it's essential for us. We take up an offering on a weekly basis, and it's essential for us to have things like lights and electricity because even in fall, we need air conditioning in Florida. And people wouldn't be really comfortable coming to church if we didn't have some of those things. And, and so there's necessary expenses to, to maintain what we do here as a church, but we also want to be a part of making our community a better place. And so I give and serve in local areas like Arbondale High School. 
like Habitat, with human, Habitat for Humanity. We're part of those projects we give towards Heart for Winter Haven or, or, or different local institutions like the Mission or, or Idol Society Ministry. We try to be part of these different things and invest in our community to make our community a better place. We do that locally. We do that domestically. We do that internationally with groups like Fight Ministries and Trash Mountain Project and Afe down in Honduras saying we want to be a part of those things. thing is, one of our partner organizations, Trash Mountain Project, you guys have heard that name uh, pretty frequently in the past. They actually today have, they, they do a, a large fundraiser one day a year, and today's their big fundraiser. Spoken event is happening tonight over in Topeka, Kansas, and they're doing this big fundraiser. And it's in anticipation for that, uh, Tim Collins, who used to be the pastor here, is on board with Trash Mountain Project. And he called me a couple weeks ago to say, hey, Spoken's coming up here, some things are going on. But he said, I just saw something that was staggering, and I want to share this with you. He said, we are looking through the finances, and I want to share how much money Ridgepoint Church has given to and through Trash Mountain Project over the course of the last nine years. We started a relationship with them nine years ago. And he said, here's the amount of money. He started to share this. And in my mind, I started to think of a number. Because he's about to give me what the, what the number was. And I started to think, okay, what does that number look like? Before he shared with me what that number was. And so I want to give you the same chance. Like, just think over the last nine years. What the number is you think that Ridgepoint Church would give to and through. This includes trips and houses and supporting them monthly and all those things that we do. Think about the number that you might have in your head. Here's the exact amount of money we've given to them, $234,826. Given to and through Trash Mountain Project to make a difference, to help rescue people living in trash dumps. And this is just one of the organizations we partner with. Why? Because we believe that as individually we start to figure this out when it comes to our finances, that collectively as a church, we also have to be good stewards of what God has given us. And no one is going to bring anyone up on stage when you buy your new boat and say, hey, everybody, let's give a round of applause for the person who got his new boat. That's not really exciting. But when you say, man, our church has given almost a quarter of a million dollars to rescue people that are living in trash dump communities, the community can get behind that and say, man, that's something that's way more powerful than us believing this idea of more is more. So when it comes to this topic, the reason why I don't run from this is because I believe that most people today, once they get the idea, the people who, who fight against talking about giving are normally people, people who are super religious, people who think they have it all together. I figured out God, I figured this whole thing out, and, and I don't need you meddling in my stuff. The good thing is Rich Point Church isn't full of a bunch of people who consider themselves super religious. There's a difference between being super religious and being spiritual. I think people who are spiritual want to be pushed. It's not so much that I don't want people talking about giving. It's that I want to be able to give. I just don't know how to do so. And I don't know how to create margin in my budget to be able to do that. And so what we want to do this morning is, is to talk about that a little bit. That To lay out, man, here's what Scripture says about this topic and, and how can I start to figure that out when it comes to my budget? Because I believe most people, even people who are young and they're in high school and they're in college, they say, I want to use my finances to, to make a bigger difference. I just don't know how to do that. I don't know how to budget towards that. I don't know how to make that a priority in my life. So how do I do that? So I want to talk about that for just a little bit this morning. Because one of our core values as a church is this idea that you can't 
outgive God. This is one of the, the pillars of what we believe is that we live in a country where God has given us so much. If we compare ourselves to the person down the street, we might think, well, my life is lacking a little bit because they have X, Y, and Z. But the truth is most Americans live in the top 10% of money earners in the world. We have so much, and God has given us so much, and we can't outgive him. In fact, there's a passage that we read over in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. Imagine this for a second. Solomon, one of the, one of the wisest men who ever lived, is sitting down, and he's talking to his son. He's laying out, here are some things that I've learned in my life that I want to impart wisdom to my son. He's having his father and son talk, and he says this about finances. He said, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. The thing is, when, when I first read that verse, I started to, to kind of marinate on that verse for quite some time. Like, I started to think, like, what is that actually saying about how we live our lives and how does it actually work? See, one gives of himself or herself freely and yet it seems like they always have more. And the person who withholds is always suffering want. They're, always, they're saying, man, I, I didn't want to give because I don't have a whole lot. And then at the end of the week, I, still don't, I never gave and I still feel like I don't have a lot. See, most, maybe not, maybe, maybe not all of us, but probably most of us have experienced this point in, in our week or in our month where we thought, man, I had some margin. I felt like, like I looked at the budget. I actually had some money this month. At the end of the month, I go and I look at my bank account, and it's not there. I'm not actually sure what happened to it. <laughs> like, I look at it saying, what happened? There was money, now there's not money, and now I start to feel that, that, that stress again. Well, part of what, when we really start to, to dig down deep in this topic, is it makes us more aware of just how valuable what God has given us is. So when it comes to this topic, I think this is one of those things where if we could ever really figure this out, and I'm going to park some things that people have taught me in the past this morning that hopefully will give us a little bit of encouragement. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers once. So if it's true that most people want to give, they just don't know how to give or how to create margin to give, then what are some practical takeaways we can take right now? What are four things, four steps we can take right now to learn to instill these things? Four things. Number one is this. Give intentionally. See, God commands in the Old Testament for us to give. There has to be intentionality to it. Now, the thing is that the Old Testament, there's some, there's some powerful reasons why he teaches us how we should give. In fact, there's a word that's used in the Old Testament. The word is called the tithe. And the tithe comes from a Hebrew word which simply means 10%. That whatever they received, whether it was goods that they received or whether it was money they received, the expectation upon the people is that we want this to be a regular intentional gift that you give. And so because of that, the expectation was there that you're going to give the first 10% of whatever it was that you received. So we live in a society now where money is exchanged, and so if, if we just carried over that idea, which is not necessarily where I'm going with this this morning, if we just carry over that idea, is that we give intentionally the first 10% of what we receive. But here's the thing, is that when I was a young student, I was in uh, college, and my wife and I had just gotten married. We weren't making a lot of money at all. I had a guy in our church, his name was Terry. He was incredibly sharp, incredibly uh, spiritual guy. He was a deacon at our church and, and, and was just a whiz when it came to finances. He's a retired financial broker, had been very successful in his life. 
And I remember sitting in our apartment one night, just talking to Terry, kind of build up a friendship, and, and he gave me some, some advice, some counsel about this. And, and he said, J.J., I want to make sure that, 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 you, that we get this right as a church, because the tithe is a great Old Testament principle, that there's application in the New Testament, but you don't necessarily see that happening, that word appear much in the New Testament. And the discussion he had is that there should be intentionality to our giving. But he, he made this comparison. He said, we have some ladies in our church who are single moms who make $16,000 a year. And he said, if, if we expect that single mom making $16,000 a year and trying to make it on her own without any support to give $1,600 a year to the church, we're crazy. But then he said, but as for me, who'd been successful, who'd made a lot of money in his life and who didn't have those same set of expenses, he said, for me to only give 10% would be robbing God. And we had this discussion. I remember thinking at that point, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a young student. I'm not making a whole lot of money, so I'm getting out from under this. That's awesome. Thank you for that advice. But he said that's not the point. He said we should start to learn the, the practicality of, of, of being intentional about our giving. He said you should start at your age at 21 or 22 years old to start to figure out. Maybe it's a percentage given. Maybe it's starting with just I'm going to give 1% of my income until I can give 2%. But to make it be a regular habit in your life where you start to say, I want to have some intentionality about the things that I do. I don't want to do these things. I don't want to just give to God what's left over. I want to give God what's, what's best in my life. Because ultimately when it comes to this topic of giving, I want to be able to experience freedom. And freedom in giving is not incidental, but Intentional. So I want to make sure when it comes to this that I'm not just accidentally stumbling into something that I should be doing. See, when I was first a, a youth pastor at, at our church in, in Pinellas Park, uh, we, had, we had our youth group was starting to grow. We started to want to do some different things in the, in the youth group. And so we started taking up just a small offering during the week. And normally we'd get $10 or $15 in that offering, and we'd use it to go buy a CD to give away the next week. Because at that point, kids were still buying CDs. Now it's all digital. But, but, so we'd buy CDs and give them away and all this stuff. And, and I'll never forget one particular Wednesday night. A kid came in, and he was in high school. His dad was a roofer. He'd started working for his dad's company. And like I talked about a couple weeks ago, at, at that point when you're in high school, when I got my first high school job, I had my first paycheck. It was a lot of money, but I had no expenses. And I felt rich that day for the first and last time. Nick felt rich at that point. Nick's like, I got this money. I don't have any expenses. And so Nick walked in, and we were taking up this, this offering in the youth group. And, and I didn't find out about this till later on that night. But our leader walked by, and he's passing the bucket to take up the offering. And Nick held out two hands. And he said, I have two different denominations of, of bills in my hand right now. And he pointed to my leader. He said, whichever one you hit is one I'm going to drop in the bucket. We didn't know it at the time, but in one hand he had a dollar, and the other side he had in the other hand he had a hundred dollars, a hundred dollar bill. And he said, Whichever one you hit is one I'm dropping in the bucket. My leader hit his right hand, he dropped the hundred dollars in the bucket. I remember thinking at the time, like Nick was glad to do it. He was actually joyful about it, which we're getting to in just a second. He was joyful, but there wasn't intentionality to it. There wasn't a purposefulness to it. It was just kind of incidental. When we start to experience freedom when it comes to our giving, whether it's corporately to come together as a church or, or just saying, man, I want to make a difference. I want to help out different charities in the area. I want to be able to help out the guy that comes up and, and needs help at the gas station. If we do it incidentally, there's not really a plan and purpose. There's not freedom to it. It kind of feels like even though I do this, I, I give so reluctantly. 
But when there's intentionality, there's freedom. So the first thing we want to be able to do is we want to be able to give intentionally. The second thing is to give joy, joyfully. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want us to read these verses and to see this because this is so profound. When it comes to our giving, this is so profound. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is a principle we see throughout Scripture. If you sow, you're going to receive. If you don't, you're not going to receive. You're going to, uh, if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. But then watch this. Verse 7 says this. Each one must give as he decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. It doesn't say God loves a generous giver. It doesn't say God loves a rich giver. It doesn't say God loves a giver who gives 10%. In fact, as we see, as my buddy Terry was sharing with me, when it gets to the New Testament, we don't see that idea. I still think it's a good application that we start to learn this idea of, of giving a percentage of our income and being intentional about it. But it's, in the New Testament, we get away from kind of the legalism of what's rigid in the Old Testament. And we get to this idea that God says, I don't want you to give under compulsion. I don't want you to give because of a necessity. But I want you to give cheerfully. I want you to give the word there, the Greek word that's used there is the word hilarion, which is the root word of the word hilarious. In other words, when we take up the offering, it shouldn't be like me pulling out that check saying, man, I wish I didn't have to do that. It should be like, man, this is, this is my joy to be able to give. I've taught on this topic before. We've taken up offerings before, and I've never had a person laugh as they drop the check in the bucket. But the idea is that, man, I should enjoy this so much. This should be a, a joyful part of, of, of my week, being able to be a part of this. In fact, if you notice, there's one part of the service we haven't taken part in yet. Have you noticed that? Did anybody pick up on that already? What didn't happen yet? Offering. And people are like, yeah, you can talk about giving so you get more money. It's not the point at all. Not the point at all. The point is that this should be literally, legitimately, especially today if, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus. It should be, this is, this is my chance to be a part of, this isn't just a, a task I go through because I have to. Man, this is a voluntary part of my worship to say I want to be a part of this. And if not, it's saying, listen, each one has to do as he's decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. As our guest service team comes down at the end of the service to take up the offering, no one's going to twist your arm. No one's going to judge you. A lot of people give online. They can't judge you anymore anyway. We're not giving out of compulsion or because we have to. If we're doing it, we're doing it for the entirely wrong reason. Jesus came to set us free. I think there's practicality to what the Old Testament teaches on that, that we should set a portion of our income aside to be able to contribute to our world and make this world a better place, to contribute to God's kingdom. I think there's practicality to that. We can't get away from that. But the New Testament principle is so much more powerful. Don't give because you have to. Give because it's your joy to give. Give because this is your desire. Give intentionally, give joyfully, give generously. If we skip down just a couple of verses to verse 11, it says this. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. He says when we gather together, the church saw the need that was there, and they said we're going to gather together to make a difference in our world. 
Because God has enriched us in every way in order that we can be generous in every way. God has given us much, and because he's, been, he's given us much, he expects us to do something with the much that he's given us. You've been enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, and once we start to do that, it starts to produce in us a greater appreciation for what God has done. When I was in middle school, I, I was playing football. I had a, a football coach who became kind of a mentor in my life. And I remember him talking about, he played football and he was our age, and, 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 he, and he said this. He said, when, when I was playing football, he said, I, I wasn't the best academically. Like, I struggled when it came to my academics. But when it came to football season, I became more focused during football season, not just on football, which took up a lot more amount of my time, but because I had less time when it came to my overall calendar, it made me more focused on the amount of time I had left. So I didn't just waste time, but I started to use that time in, in, in a more profitable way. Once we start to learn this idea of living generously, God says, I've, I've enriched you in every way to be generous in every way. You've been given much to do something with the much that you've been given. So give intentionally, give joyfully, give generously, and finally give immediately. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 8 says this, But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people have a plan to be generous. There's, there's a purpose to their generosity. And once we plan to do that, and once we have a plan in place, see this whole thing hinges upon the ability we have early on in this discussion. Way before the need arises, the whole thing hinges on my ability to, early on in the discussion, remove some of the stress of poor financial decisions. Because I'm convinced most of us, not everyone this morning, but I'm convinced most of us have a desire to, to give towards causes that are going to make a difference. In fact, I think we as Americans, this is the one place we excel. It's just when we see a need, we want to go help meet that need. Some of you this week right away, Saw an immediate need when Hurricane Michael hit up in the Panhandle area. And right away there was a call out by everything from local churches and local community groups to national organizations who do this as regular responses to tragedies. And right away people are asking the question, how can I help? How can I get involved? How can I go serve? How can I contribute we had people right here from Ridgepoint Church that have already traveled up there taking goods that are going up there to help them out. And right away, there's this desire inside of us to say, we want to be a part of making a difference. When there's a need, I want to jump in. The question is, why can't we do that more frequently? And the answer to that question is because sometimes we make poor mistakes that build up the stress in our life. And stress is bad. Whereas giving is good. We realize this isn't a simple solution. It's not you're going to come in in four weeks and your finances are going to be straight. We'll be giving and changing the world. But it's saying I want to put in practices in my life. Some of you right now are going through a financial peace university and you're really having to tighten that buckle down a little bit and figure this out. I want to put in place procedures in my life and systems in my life to make sure that in the future I have the freedom to be able to give when I want to be able to give. And next week, as we talk about Tomorrow Matters, how I can 
make sure that I'm preparing myself so that there's a future, not just for me, that I don't have to stress about those things, but also for my kids and my grandkids, that all those things are taken care of. It begins early on by setting a budget, saying these are my priorities. See, the very thing we talked about is we want to make this very applicable. Week one, we said every week there's an application. Week one was just have a conversation. You, or you and your spouse, or you and your family, get together and say, what are our priorities as a family? Not let our budget drive our passions, but let our passions drive our budget. Figure out what your passions are and pursue those passions and allow the budget to match up with those passions. Week two, last week, Chris handed out Jimmy's worksheet that said, here's the way to build a budget. Now work on that budget together. Here's the practical application. Week three, the, the takeaway is this. As you've been hopefully at least thinking about or talking about that budget, it's saying come up with an intentional way to say, I want to make sure that my giving is a part of that. And whether that means corporately through church or not, that's not the point. The point is there are going to be people come up to you at, at the gas station that say, hey, I need help with this. And if we do it just kind of haphazardly saying there's no intentionality to it, that, again, that's fine. We can do that. But it's so much more liberating. So much more, it brings so much more freedom when we say we have a plan in our life to be generous. And when we do that, the promise is God's going to take care of us. And it also allows us to be free to take care of tomorrow, which we'll talk about next week. Let's pray. Father, well, first of all, I thank you for uh, just the grace that everyone showed this morning in, in tackling what's a, a really a, a tough topic. We talk about uh, just this topic of giving, and, and it's such a, a delicate topic because our hearts are so closely tied to our money. And so as soon as we talk about separating those two, it can get really, really difficult. So God, I thank you for the grace this morning. But God, I also thank you for the clarity of your word that teaches us above everything else to simply be generous. God, Jesus depicted himself what generosity is, what love is, by sacrificing his life to give us life. And by teaching, by, by showing us sacrifice, he teaches us what sacrifice is all about. And so God, I pray that we just respond accordingly, that we respond to the grace that he's already shown us, that we want to make a difference here locally in our community and literally across the world impacting your kingdom with the great news of who Jesus is. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.